Hello, everyone. This is Joyce Davis, Pen Lives Opinion Editor, and this is Battleground PA. We are getting ready to discuss a week of activity, to say the least. And for that, I have called in Rajat Harris, our Democratic analyst, and Jeffrey Lord, our very famous Republican pundit. So stay tuned. We will be right back to dive into what's going on on the political landscape. This is Battleground PA a PenLive podcast discussing the issues that matter to Pennsylvanians and documenting the events in our state that will shape the battle for your vote in the 2020 presidential elections. Okay, we are back. And if you would like to join us, you certainly can do so. Send an email to topics at battlegroundpa.org or you can check us out on Twitter or Facebook at Battleground PA. Again, this is Joyce Davis, Penn Life's Outreach and Opinion Editor, and I am joined by Jeffrey Lord, who is uh, raising the flag for the Republicans. How are you today, Jeffrey? I am just fine. Hunky dory. Hunky dory. I get it. And and Rajette Harris, I know you are there and raring to go for the Democratic side. How are you today? I'm great. I got my Biden Harris shirt on and our signs come in today. So ah, we're about to your, uh, blanket Dauphin County. There you go. And you just had your 16th birthday, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was mine, Jeffrey. Let, let her alone. <laughs> oh, oh. All right. So, guys, I see you are in good mood this morning. Let's talk. We know that uh, Joe Biden came to Pennsylvania uh, actually just yesterday. And so uh, let's start with Rajet. Rajet, why did he come and what did he come for? Well, uh, Jeffrey should be happy. He got out of the basement and uh, (laughs) 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 he came to, as we know, a battleground state, Pennsylvania. And, you know, he's he wanted to respond uh, to Trump's uh, claims, or I, I would call them falsehoods, that he made uh, in his speech at the Republican convention last week. Uh, for one thing about, you know, uh, the Republicans keep saying that the country won't be safe under Biden, but look at the unrest now. It's not safe under the president, and he's currently the one in charge. And, you know, uh, Biden made it very clear that protesting is fine. It gets the issues out. But he said that rioting is not protesting. Looting is not protesting. You know, setting fires is not uh, protesting. So the narrative that Republicans are saying, trying to put out there, okay, I mean, Biden and the Democrats are okay with the looting and violence that's going on is not true. And that's not the protesters. It's well, a, well, a separate you, group. I, I hear you, Rajat. But, but Jeffrey, look, it looks like he went even farther than that because he's actually accusing President Trump of stoking the violence in these cities and, and, and basically, you know, kind of uh, revving. Yeah, basically so, scaring people. Uh, Trump is trying to scare the American voters into voting for him again. And, you know, Biden addressed that in his speech. Now, Jeffrey, how are you viewing this? I mean, when Biden came, was that did you did you see any problem with that? Well, first of all, the reason he's coming, the reason our podcast is named Battleground PA, is because <laughs> it is a battleground, right? And the Biden was here. The president will be here on Thursday. Uh, I got news for anybody who's not paying attention, which is none of us. We're all paying attention. 
Um, both of them, are, not to mention their running mates, are going to be here in Pennsylvania over and over and Ouch. over again. Right. So this is, uh, this is sort of the first draw, and uh, just buckle in with all of it. Um, but, 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 but I'll tell you, they are coming here, and of course, we don't really want this to be a battleground like it is in uh, Kenosha, for example. But uh, no. I mean, what about this? What about Biden's attacking uh, President Donald Trump for? Well, sure, I, and I'll tell you exactly. I'll yeah, tell you exactly what's going on. They had to be getting polls that showed that all of these riots were having an effect on their candidacy. And so suddenly, after ignoring it at the Democratic Convention, they suddenly decided to talk about it. And now, in just what I find laughable situation, they're trying to blame this on the president. The president is not the mayor of Portland. He's not the mayor of, uh, of Kenosha. He's not the governor of Wisconsin or the governor of Oregon or the governor of Washington. Those are the people- shouldn't be running, though, on a law and order message then. You don't well, say under my presidencies, we're if under my presidency, people, we're not going to have this because then uh, it, this has all happened under under his presidency. It's happening I, under the mayor, the mayoralty of Ted Wheeler in Portland, Oregon, who's let well, this go on for 90 some odd days. Lie last week then, because he said as president, this will not happen under my watch. It is happening under his watch. You can't have it both ways. You can't right. blame well, he sent in the he sent in the National Guard. To Kenosha, and it stopped. That's what you do. And Joe Biden pledges he'll never send the National Guard in. But the president isn't even addressing that 17-year-old who shot and killed two protesters and injured another one. That that is under dispute, uh, under considerable dispute. There is quite a story out there that this kid was attacked first. But Jeffrey, and he that's responded. Jeffrey, even a concerned because you had someone who came from another state to somewhere he did right. not need to be. It's not even his community he's protecting. He right. came looking for trouble. This is where you really, well, well, this is that messaging really works against you in minority communities and certainly in the African-American community. You the, can't the, have someone I, cross I, lines you, and, you can't, people you, and not get, not said, what were you doing here, young man? You didn't even have the gun legally. Come on now, these and, are lives at stake. This is not fun and games. Well, it isn't fun and games. And the Trump supporter was shot in the head and killed the other night. It's not, it's not fun and games. These things should not be happening in the first place. They should not be happening in the first place. The destruction of property, the taking of lives, all of this done in the name in the beginning of Black Lives Matter. This has nothing to do with Black Lives. This has to do is a movement that was addressing the racial injustice that we continue to have against black Americans in this country with police. So you cannot combine. Are we supposed to blame? Um, and there was uh, another policeman shot who happens to be an African-American. And we well, I, is wrong regardless and of no one, And no one seems to care. And that's what the president and the Republicans are doing. They're not addressing all of the violence. They're just trying to blame all the all the violence for political gain with this with this convention. The I mean, um, the, the election. Look, the, the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party uses race and violence and has for its entire existence. This no, is a party on record. No, no. Let me finish, please. This is a party on record five times over supporting slavery. 
They spent a hundred years formally supporting and introducing and making Jim Crow laws the laws of their areas. They they have used they ha- and now it's and now it's identity politics, which is the son of segregation. And, and they're into violence. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, they were rioting in the streets of Chicago at the Democratic National Convention. Legislation. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how the South, the Democrats lost the South because the Democrats, Lyndon B. Johnson, supported the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. They left eighty percent. Eighty percent of the of the of the Republicans in Congress voted for that Civil Rights Act. Hey guys, and why? And why I get it, Jeffrey. You always pull us off into history and talking about what was. Let's talk well, about well, because it is about what is. The Democratic Party hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. It needs race to get elected. Then and now. So you want to talk about something that happened hundred years ago? Could I get you both to please focus on the conversation at hand? We're talking about Trump heading to Kenosha. We're talking about the governor and the mayor asking him not to come because they fear it will stoke up more violence. And so we really need to focus on today, not keep diverting our attention to past. We've already argued. The Republicans, as well as the Democrats, have had racists in them that have had racist policies. It's an unfortunate foundation of our country. That is, and what we're trying to overcome now. So let's talk now. Should the president go to Kenosha? Jeffrey. Of course, he's the president of the United States. He should be able to go anywhere in this country. Of course he should. Why isn't, so, so, and great, he's saying in the National, he's going there to thank the police and the National Guard for restoring order. That's that's part of his job. Even though he's been warned. That this could cause by a democratic by a democratic politician who has let things in his state get out of control. Jeffrey, let me get the question out so you know what I'm asking. Okay, so he's going even though he has officials telling him that the community is on tenderhooks. It's sensitive now. Any spark could cause an inflagration. That is not enough reason for to ask for wisdom to wait. Until he goes or to find another way to appreciate the police. I get appreciating the police. And the other point that we, I think, need to make every decent person, and there are decent persons in both parties, oppose any violence. We oppose the white extremists who come with their guns and shoot up people. We oppose the black extremists or minority or whatever extremists of any race who also do not abide by the law. That's given. Let's talk about the decent people who have real issues between them. Uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, Rajat, I mean, what is going on with Kenosha? What I mean, he, he says the president has a right to come. When should he be able to come? I mean, the president does have a right to come. The problem that we have is that whether or not he likes it or not, the president for a lot of people is a symbol of hate. You know, a lot of his rhetoric over the past three and a half years has incited violence. And I know that, you know, Jeffrey's going to say that's not true, but it's, it is the truth. So when you have people rioting on his behalf and you have protesters that's already upset because of the racial injustice going on, you don't want to 
you know, flame the the, the flames. You don't want to uh, you don't want to to make Damn it worse. Yeah, yes, yes. And worse. I don't think the president is going to help the situation. He's not a calming voice. He, that's no. not his that's not his strength. So, yes, he has the right to go, but he's not going to help the situation. So, Jeffrey, how would he go and not fl fan the flames? How would he go and actually calm things? Go and go, go as he stated, and thank the police and thank the National Guard for their service and being there. And but see, that's the problem, though. You have to also address the situation that has occurred. You just can't. I mean, we all agree that we that every single police officer isn't bad, but you can't continue to protect the ones that are. You can't continue to well, say who's it's protecting okay. them. I mean, the, pre the president himself has spoken out against it's okay that. For a mother to drive her 17 year old son with a gun that's bigger than he is to another state to cause the type of ruckus. But he but but I, I can tell you there is a serious dispute about this. He, there's video out there that he was attacked. But why the was kid, he the, there? He didn't really need to be. Okay, let's take a break. Well, well what, why, why did any of these people need to be there? Because there were people being bussed into these places that were coming to Washington, D.C., Kenosha, and wherever, and they don't live there either, and nobody so seems to care about that. The march was symbolizing an historic event. So let's come back. We'll, we'll continue this conversation about whether Trump should head to Kenosha, and then we'll take up what's going on with, between him and Mayor Ted Wheeler. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Okay, I'm back. It's Joyce Davis, Pin Lives Outreach and Opinion Editor, and this is truly a battleground PA. I have Rajet Harris and Jeffrey Lord here, and we're talking about whether Trump should head to Kenosha. If you want to join us, send us an email at topics at battlegroundpa.org or check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Battleground PA. All right, so we've got a difference of opinion. One side says Trump should not head to Kenosha right about now because people are really mad on one side and on the other side, he's got his supporters riled up and they are clashing. So, it, and but on the other side, Jeffrey says he has every right to be here. Okay, guys, is peace paramount? That's my question. Are we trying to, to get along and to make peace, Jeffrey? Because yes. we, know we wait for the opportunities to do things. We stop, we think, we don't just fan the flame. Well, let me, let me just give you, uh, and I know you don't like it when I do this, but I am going to use a little history, and it's not all that long ago I history. history. I love history. I don't it, like all right. it. All right. It, and, and when, when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans and Louisiana and that area, President George W. Bush happened to be on the West Coast. He got an Air Force One to return to Washington, and instead of stopping in New Orleans, he kept flying. He flew the plane. They had the plane fly low so he could see the damage, and he flew on. And he didn't land because he said it would be a distraction. He was massively criticized by Democrats and our friends in the <clears throat> liberal meet. No, let, let me finish. He was massively criticized for not going. Now, this president insists on going, and now they flipped it and said, no, 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 you can't go. You can't go. So which is it? I, I mean, in other words, if it's a Republican president, you can't win. If you, oh, if you don't I go. That's not true. I, it's like I said, if, if President Trump would 
help the situation be completely different. He's not going to help the situation. He is not a calming voice. To who? You cannot to have. Who? He's not going to be who? a calming voice to the people who, who are who are rioting in the streets. To? That's you have correct. People there that are you have people there that are fighting protesters on his behalf. They're there on his behalf, uh, trying to prevent people who are allowed to protest peacefully, but they're trying to cause riots. There are people causing these riots in the name of Black Lives Matter that try to usurp what the movement means. And it's wrong. Yeah. But, but it's wrong. They're trying to change the narrative. We have a black man, Jacob Blake, whose family doesn't even want to meet with the president because of the symbol of hate he represents. This man was shot in the back seven, eight times. Seven, eight times, and then they had the nerve to handcuff him to his hospital bed when he is paralyzed from the waist down. That's what Black Lives Matter means, is to prevent situations like that. There and who was in charge of Kenosha? Who was in charge? Who was in charge? It's a Democratic city. It's run by a Democrat. Who was in charge of the police? You know, the Democrat Frank, mayor. You know, Frank, the Democrat mayor, just like in Portland and like all these other cities. This is not the president doing Democrats, a police office, a police officer who is an individual who makes his or her own decisions, shot this man in the back seven, eight times. You're saying he did it in in the name of the Democrat Party. I am saying I am saying that the mayor of the city is responsible for the training of police officers. And yes, I, and I think Jeffrey raises a good point. I, I I have no disagreement that somebody should be doing something about that police department, and there is a real big problem there. And the mayor needs to bear responsibility for it. and needs to do something about it. The Republican mayors as well. I agree with what Jeffrey is saying there, but frankly, Jeffrey, I do not think this is a partisan issue. This is an American issue. You cannot simply say Republicans are innocent of any of this come on now we're, we're all adults here but let's uh, go we are all adults and you cannot be electing democrats to run these cities year in and year out for decades and then these cities erupt in violence and say it's the president's it fault is not a the president thing. hasn't been in office for more than four years americans everywhere everywhere racial discrimination happens everywhere it just just doesn't happen in democrat cities I live in a Republican county, and I can tell you racial discrimination happens here as well. And I'm not blaming the Republicans. I'm blaming the society, and I'm blaming the attitude. Are you telling me that the mayor of Harrisburg is a Republican? No, but we're telling you that the, it's, the county is run by Republicans, Republicans of two Republican commissioners. And the governor of Pennsylvania is a Democrat. Both Republicans and Democrats good people are against racism. That is just the fact. I will fighting against this. So look, let's move on. Let's talk about what's going on. Look, clearly race is going to be an issue in this election as is the coronavirus. You've got Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler lashing out at President Trump. So he he's even once again calling him a racist just right out there. So Again, my concern about all this, Jeffrey, is that don't the American people, aren't we ready for a little calm? Someone who comes in and kind of pulls people together and stops all of this. Look look at us. This has been our most heated exchange yet. 
and we want to get along, but it's because of all this stuff. So we bought Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler and, and President Trump, all of this chaos that seems to be here. Well, who's in charge of Portland? It's the mayor. This has been going on for 90 some odd days. The president. Yeah, this is going nowhere. This is going. Can I correct the record, though? Because Jeffrey has been saying for weeks now that Biden wants to ban fracking. And I think it's important that we educate our listeners on what these candidates actually stand for. This is a good topic. And unlike the Republican Party, we actually, as Democrats, have a platform and are telling the people what we stand for. We're not just pledging allegiance to one man. But in Biden's speech yesterday, he clearly said that he is not banning fracking. He said, and well, I quote, let me let me just let me respond that. and just, let me just respond and say that how many times Donald Trump lies about me, and I quoted him with that. So I just uh, let me just I want to put some facts out there because, as we know, Republicans don't know what facts are. But that came out of Joe Biden's mouth <laughs> himself. All right, yes, yes, and and I watched and I watched Fox News, and they ran clip after clip after clip of Joe Biden saying exactly the opposite. Exactly the opposite on, on CNN and various debates. And he said, yes, yes, he wanted to ban fracking. So what he's done here is come to Pennsylvania and try and say that he didn't say what he has been saying. And there's plenty of videotape out there, not only of Joe Biden saying it, but Kamala Harris saying it. So, you know, he, he yet again, professional politician that he is, is playing politics with people's jobs and lives. Now, if I could interrupt here, I will say Jeffrey makes a good point because I have had a hard time trying to figure out exactly what Biden's position on fracking is about. It looks to me like he has previously said he would not ban, he would not uh, stop what's going on, but would not allow new fracking. That seems to have been the nuance that I had before, but he, he is right. This this messaging has not been exactly clear, but I have to tell you, nor is the president's messaging. He's been all over the place with a bunch of issues. So, uh, you know, it looks like clarity from either one of these uh, candidates is not necessarily going to be easy to come by. <laughs> I'll tell you. Well, like I said, this these I quoted his exact words that he said yesterday. And again, we can we can twist and turn all we want to. And we would be here for the next. I mean, the fact checker fact, the fact checkers are conti- are still looking at the president's tr- speech from last week because of all the lies and falsehoods and, quote, political spin that he put in it. So you know, <laughs> if you want to talk about playing politics. Uh, I do, and I've checked the fact the checkers and the fact checkers are biased. <laughs> and they make it up. Well, no, a fact is a fact. A fact can't be biased. That's why Republicans don't use facts. You have people who are objectively looking for things. You can't say they're biased. You know, you, you, you fall back on that every time. Some of us, including some of us in your liberal media or media, are are really simply seeking the truth. It's not, and if it comes out against you, it doesn't mean that you're biased. It just means that that's where the truth yeah. is. A disagreement of opinion is not about a fact. That's truth. There is such a thing as not shading it one way or the other, just like your point on Biden is spot on. I was confused about exactly what his position was. That's because he hasn't been clear, and then he come out and say it. I, my position is evolving on this, and here's where it is now. I had to go back and look at another op-ed because I said, uh-oh, I thought his, and I, I had done the fact-checking. He had been, uh, had a different position on it. So you're absolutely right, but I hope we can all agree that let's stick to the truth here. Let's not just shade things because 
or blame people for bias when they're simply pointing out, you know, issues and 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 true facts here. So let let's let's move on. And unfortunately, I we can't because if this election is run on facts, we the we, uh, Trump he can't win. He, he can only win if he lies. It's just like I he's think trying it's to the other way around. Exactly. Way. He's, I mean, he's trying to scare people in the suburbs. They're coming for you. They're coming for you. You know, I hate to tell the president, but I'm not the only African-American that lives in the suburbs. We're out here, too. We're everywhere. <laughs> I, my neighbors so, are African-Americans. You know, uh, I don't you know, think he's trying, trying to scare, scare anybody. White suburban voters, specifically women, isn't that's not going to work. It's just not going to work. We can see through that. Well, the one thing that causes me concern is that I just wish for leaders who would really try to calm the waters, not stir them up, that this is going to lead to nowhere for our whole country. If we don't have leaders who step out and say, this is right, this is wrong, no violence on either side. Don't bring your gun in from across state and try to think you're a policeman. We've got police here. I mean, the whole and if you're out there protesting, you don't throw a brick anywhere. You don't do anything. You stay peaceful. There can be a president. There can be people who step up and really do that and have some authority to say that. That's what I hope for. But let's move on, because in addition to all of this race stuff and all the protests, we've still got a coronavirus spreading around there. And we've still got schools opening, although many of them are deciding or uh, not to open. And we've got now, it looks like almost six million cases in the United States. And we are seeing that when these schools open, they, you know, the virus spreads. So I don't know how you guys are feeling about this, but Jeffrey, any thoughts on, on your end about this, about the the schools opening and the virus spreading? Well, I actually think that, that the human beings that we all are, we're adapting to this and things are getting a little better. Uh, one of the things that I think is dangerous is overestimating what has occurred here. And the statistics from the CDC that I saw said that something like 94% of the deaths from the COVID situation were caused by things other than people having COVID. They had underlying conditions, et cetera. So that it's something like 6%. I mean, that that's pretty big deal. Uh, and I just think that, uh, you know, one of the president's uh, scientists, is talking about what I think has been sort of obvious from the get-go, and that's herd immunity. I mean, I don't know much about it other than it sort of makes sense. Uh, and I I have been to numerous events. I mean, uh, I went just this uh, weekend to Pittsburgh to speak at the Allegheny County Republican Party, uh, and, and you'll find this amusing. It was a picnic, and somebody called and complained, and so they said, okay, it's a protest. And the government of, I don't know, somebody in Allegheny County government uh, had called to, to, to say, you know, what's going on? And they said, OK, it's a protest. They said, oh, oh, that's all right then. <laughs> but well, there were saying, but there were hundreds of people there. Uh, some had masks. Lots of them had masks. Some some did not. Uh, no ill effects. I, I, I get it. You went to a picnic. That's great. I want to focus on. The total cases that the CDC says it's almost 6 million. To me, that's not a good case. Uh, it's 182,000 deaths. And I hear what you're saying about people just didn't die from COVID. They died because they had underlying conditions that this disease, this virus exacerbated. 
if the virus weren't there, many of these people would be alive. That is, we can't. Well, and if they hadn't been put in nursing me, homes, they would be alive me, too. Let me get a statement out. I know you're keyed up, <laughs> but you, you need to just let me talk a, a little bit, okay? So the point I'm making is that the underlying conditions have always been the problem with the virus. So it caused the death because it exacerbated the conditions. And that is something we cannot minimize. And I will say, the University of Pittsburgh now has extended its period of remote uh, instruction. There are many places they're seeing this as still a very, very significant problem. And the herd immunity issue, I, I'm, I don't know about uh, 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 Rajat, what I'm hearing is that there are many, many doctors who are really afraid that people will go that direction trying to think about herd immunity. It just doesn't work in this case. Well, it's 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 definitely not something that that's being encouraged, um, it's for sure. Encouraged by but, many doctors, that, you know. But but, but I know, there, are, there are a couple of bright spots though, and in Pennsylvania specifically, the cases continue to go down, maybe a percentage point, which means that people are listening when they go out. They're wearing their masks. They're uh, doing the steps that need to be made. And it's also encouraging. Um, there's been two cases so far, I'm sure you both heard, where there's been reoccurrence of yes. the virus. One of the cases is very encouraging because that individual did not have any sickness symptoms, which makes it encouraging from a vaccine standpoint. The other person uh, did, but as they said on the news, we don't know what their other health issues were they smoke or there could be other contributors to that. Um, but, you know, it is continued to be a problem. I do think this is something that's not just going to be eradicated and vanished, as some would like to hope. It is going to be a new normal that we're going to have to live with. But again, if you look at studies in areas where people did listen and wear their masks and whatnot, the cases are a lot lower, which is why I think Pennsylvania is holding steady in some places and other counties the case load is actually going down. Well, so I, I, I look at that as a pot. I'm trying to, you know, show a little bit of the other side of things as well, because it is a terrible virus. The schools are opening up. Obviously, we see cases. A lot of the schools are canceling their um, sports programs. Some are continuing on with their sports programs just without an audience and the band and the cheerleading and whatnot. So we just have to continue on this journey. Well, yeah, we have to continue on this journey, but we got to do so smartly. And you can't ignore science. That's the problem. I, I think people are trying to ignore science. The science says when people get together, they spread the virus. So it, it's just nonsensical to me to think that young boys or girls can run around, sweat on each other, spit on each other when they're playing, and you don't spread the virus. I mean, no, I, I spoke to a couple parents where they're know, not doing normal recesses. Like, they're not doing normal recesses, too. Again, each school district is different, so it's, you know, we can't generalize, but there are some school districts that aren't doing the typical recess. We also know when you gather in groups, they ask you to gather, obviously, in smaller groups, not in larger groups. They ask you to be outside versus being inside. So, again, it's all those guidelines that we have that's coming from our scientists that if we follow those, that we can keep the caseload uh, lower. Well, 
Well, I, I hear what you're saying, but Jeffrey, my concern also, frankly, is that I, I really wish science were not having any political influence whatsoever. I wish the CDC didn't feel political pressure to try to come up with something by November 1st. I don't like the fact, and I think many Americans are revolted at the fact that we can't trust science. We can't trust what many of the doctors or many of the people are saying because they, they may be either working for the president or working against him. I mean, this is not a good thing to, to, to be in a situation where you can't trust what the doctors are telling you. I mean, am I right or wrong? I mean, on either well, side. No, you're right. You're, you're right. I mean, I've been saying for a very long time, I think that politics long, long ago, I mean, it isn't just science. I mean, it's religion. It's the business. It's, I mean, politics is all over the place. And yes. the last place it should be is science. And and it is science. I mean, this is why, I mean, I don't want to get into the whole climate thing, but this is why a lot of people suspect the whole climate change thing is politics and not science. That's because science has damaged itself by letting politics in. And so it doesn't matter what the subject area in science is. If you think that the whole thing is political, then you've got a problem. And that That's that exactly. is a problem. We, we agree on that. You've got to believe that. This scientist, this doctor, this is saying this because it is his. And, 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 and these aren't perfect people. They are learning about this. But he can't be influenced by, I need a virus. The president needs a virus, a, va a vaccine by November 1st so he can tout that. Nor should it be that I don't want to help this president, so I'm not going to do the virus. I, I mean, that both of those arguments are out there. And both of those arguments are devastating. For but I think, I mean, a, I think I a lot seen... of the American people, though, are in the are in the middle. I yes. do. I'm going to I'm going to have to speak up to my fellow Americans <laughs> in this regard. You are correct. You have people on the extreme sides of both sides. We can't deny that. Um, you have people who aren't listening to the guidelines at all, and you have people who are scared to open up their window and 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 in, in, in fear because of what they hear and what they see. But I do think the majority of Americans are taking this seriously, especially parents with children, and that they're really trying to do what's best for their children. I do have a little sympathy for our elected officials on both sides of the aisle in this because it's I've been saying this from the beginning, and I know the two of you don't always agree with me on this, but it's a balance. We have to balance the public health aspect but we also have to balance now the education of our children, and we have to balance the economic uh, uh, turmoil that this virus has caused people. A I lot of people I, I, cannot pay their rent. They cannot feed themselves and their families. And they won't they do can't it the live. And they won't so do it the the government has to find a way to balance all of these needs. I don't, of, I don't disagree parents. with you about the balance, but I would tip the scale on the side of health over the side of, of, the, of money and over economics. And that's the other thing I think that's influencing this whole thing too much. Science is science. Uh, uh, it, whether you have no money in your pocket, it is still a fact that the disease will spread and can kill you. Right, but the scientists aren't telling people that they can't go to that can't go to the store, that they can't go to work. No, All they're stating is if you can work at home. I mean, that is that is having an effect on people. I mean, there was a gentleman, and I don't know whether you guys ever heard her. His name was. His name. Jeffrey's talking. Rajat, let Jeffrey go ahead. Jeffrey. There was a gentleman named Stephen Bing, who was a you know billionaire type 
guy, and I think he did something on the Internet, et cetera. I mean, I vaguely knew who he was, a young guy in his 40s or something like this, and he was famous in the world of celebrity for marrying uh, this British model who who once dated Hugh Grant. I mean, all that kind of stuff. My my point is that with the quarantine stuff, he suffered from depression. He jumped out of a window of his apartment skyscraper in San Francisco or whatever and killed himself because he was depressed because of the quarantine. Now, I am just suggesting to you or that because of the coronavirus, another death there that probably isn't well, dead. well, yeah, but what I'm saying is the way this is being handled it, it, to, to say that we're going to shut down economic activity, we're going to lock everybody up has in fact caused damage with people. It's caused suicides, it's caused uh, mental problems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that needs to be considered as well. well And for some reason, I'm not allowed to get my point in here, but that's the point I'm trying to make. We have to strike a balance. And that's why people are also consulting, not just the doctors they see on TV, but their own personal doctors, because everyone is different. The same thing is going to occur when this vaccine comes out. Some personal doctors might not advise their patients to take it for whatever reason. And again, that's HIPAA, so we can't ask people to give their own personal health information out. But even if you watch the scientists and the doctors on TV, there is a mental health aspect to this. All I'm saying, and again, I've been saying this from the very beginning, that I feel for our elected officials in this sense. And I do think that our governor has done the best that he can in trying to strike that balance. Even when you watch CNN and Fox News and MSNBC or wherever you get your news from, the scientists aren't saying stay in your house 24-7. All they're asking people to do is to gather in only small groups, wear a mask, practice good hygiene, and all the different checklists lists and, that and, they and have. However, but however, not everyone is listening, but I, I, I just think that we need to understand Regina, that people are handling this in a lot of different ways, Regina, and we need to make sure everyone's point. needs let's, are let's met. Some other thoughts in here. The, the issue with one of the things you, you've said is that the doctor, that your personal doctor, takes his guidance from from basically the established doctors, the the federal government, they issue those guidelines. If those guidelines coming to your personal doctor are flawed, your doctor's going to give you flawed information. They're not specialists. Your personal doctor's not a specialist in everything. They look to what's being written. They look to the guidance coming from the CDC and other places, and that's how they advise you, which is why I still have concerns about what's coming out of Washington. Well, for example, the flu shot is now out. A lot of people are being encouraged to take the flu shot. I personally have family members that are allergic to the flu shot. So their doctor is, and this is why I'm saying it's good to go to your personal doctor, because the personal doctor may not... We're not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying that. Because your personal, but I just want to be clear that that we need to also think about our personal doctor because some people are allergic to the flu shot. So that's not going to help everyone. Absolutely. Everyone should go to their personal doctor, but but we still need to be worrying about what's coming out of the CDC and what's coming out of Washington and make sure that the scientists there who are considered the experts and offering guidance, that they are not tainted one way or the other. But with that, you know, I think we're going to have to wrap up and draw it to a close. There's still a lot that's that's brewing out there. We've got a lot of stuff going on, including Trump, as you say, and and uh, and and uh, Pence are coming to Pennsylvania. So we'll be looking for that in the days and the weeks ahead as we continue to fight on this battleground. But thank you, Regette. 
uh, our Democratic analyst, and thank you, Jeffrey, the Republican uh, commentator. We appreciate your being here, and we appreciate your tuning in for Battleground PA. Stay tuned. We will be back here next week. So long. This was Battleground PA. Be sure to rate and subscribe to us so you don't miss a beat. Have an idea for an episode? Tweet us at Battleground PA or email us at topics at battlegroundpa.org. Meanwhile, stay in the know between episodes on penlive.com. Battleground PA is hosted by PenLive's opinion editor, Joyce Davis, and is produced by Penn Studios director, Salim Michelle McClouf, and edited by Martin Boutros. More info and past episodes can be found at battlegroundpa.org.